Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Everyone, I am Amanda, and I am nursing a brutal, brutal bout of laryngitis, like cold that won't go away. I swear I made it through the whole entire winter untouched. And then, you know, stress takes over and then everything comes crashing down. But listen, before we get into this episode, I need to let you know that there is a remedy for all sickness. And it is the Starbucks Medicine Ball. It is for real. I am drinking it right now. And it is so not only delicious, but totally curing me of all the things. So here's what you're going to order. You're going to order this. I'm going to tell you exactly what it was because I just ordered it. You're going to go into your app, well, or you're going to go to the menu, whatever you're going to do. And when you look at the teas, go to hot teas, green tea, and you're going to order the honey citrus mint tea. It's already made exactly with all the things you need, uh, lemonade, some honey, all kinds of delicious, wonderful things. And it makes you feel infinitely better, even if it's just temporarily. And it is such a joy to just kind of like swallow all of that sickness and just, it just goes away. It's nice and steamy and unofficially you're going to hear me say that this is really good with a little something extra. If you like whiskey or bourbon, a little extra, you know, sanitization, <laughs> getting getting your system all cleared out, I'd say go for it. Okay, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're here to talk about today is the power of project-based and immersive simulation types of assessments. And so this kind of comes to us at a great time of year when we are planning and backwards planning final projects, some of the more extended types of assessments that we like to do. I know for me, the spring usually feels like the better time of year to do that. Students are a little bit more cohesive. They're a little bit more reliable working with one another. They've learned a lot, a great deal more than they had earlier in the first parts of the semester. And so spring presents itself with a really great time to think about collaborative, immersive, and big picture types of assessments. And so today we sat down with Danielle Hicks, and she is known around Instagram as the English Classroom Architect. That's also her website, EnglishClassroomArchitect.com. And Danielle is just a brilliant educator, and she is a full-time high school English teacher. She's also a coach, so she's got that coach-athlete mentality also. 
that just, I think, brings her game to the next level. And she believes so deeply in her passion for education and what students are capable of. And she has been curriculum writing for a long time, and she works really, really hard to help English teachers collaboratively work together and face burnout and never have to feel the pain of what burnout looks like. And so her strategies, her ideas, everything that she offers in her realm of the internet is really intended on doing that, making things easier for teachers and showing different ways that they can work together. So she's got freebies. She's got articles. This is actually kind of how this conversation got started. There was a specific article that I had, that had caught my eye and I thought, man, this would be such a cool podcast episode. So we're actually going to do that. Danielle also has has her own podcast. You can catch her at the Anti-Burnout for English Teachers, and it's just another wonderful, wonderful podcast. So if you love Teach English, you're looking for another person with brilliant ideas, we found her. Danielle's here, and she's going to talk to us all about some assessment and project-based learning ideas. Without further ado, let's jump on into the interview with Danielle. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. the heart of the episode. We are here right now. We are blessed beyond compare to have the one and only Danielle Hicks with us today. Danielle, would you say hi to Brave New Teaching? Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Yeah, Danielle, why don't you start by giving everyone a quick little quick little rundown of your education sphere, like where you're working, what you're doing, what you've been up to, and so everyone can get kind of caught up to speed with our conversation today. Okay, yeah. So I am a high school teacher in Northern Virginia. I've taught from 9th through 12th. I've taught team taught and with L's and honors. I actually came to teaching in 2008. I was a career searcher. So I have a little bit of background that's outside of education. Um, I always wanted to be a teacher, but wanted to wait until I felt like I had enough real world experience. And then I came to teaching and I've been here ever since. Yeah. Yes. And you have a busy family life. You've been doing all the things (laughs) and we found each other on Instagram, which is so crazy. And I, I really don't know who led me to your Instagram, but I have loved, I, I feel like every time I see Danielle post on Instagram and we will link her Instagram in the show notes for sure. But like every time I see you post, I'm like, yes, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like we are so like philosophically aligned and yeah. I am curious a little bit about like your Instagram journey. Like, what are you, what are you doing on Instagram and why are you so amazing and brilliant? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, to, okay. To be honest, I only started with Instagram a little bit ago and on my personal Instagram, I didn't post at all. But what happened was I decided that 
I had something to share. You know, like I just wanted to talk to people. I wanted to build some community. I wanted to meet people. What I think about when I'm on Instagram is I always want to share something that people want to actually see, you know? Mm-hmm. So some if I have an idea, like I'm just thinking about something, I'll put together a post, but I really want to like, you know, have a conversation with people. Yeah. Well, that's the best part about it. I mean, it's like, it's for me when I found, when I found Instagram, I feel like I didn't find the social media. I found, I found the teachers and the conversation that was lacking in my, my real life. And I just, Mm -hmm. I still am kind of dumbfounded. I think, you know, for me, it's been about 10 years, I think. And that's just, it's just ridiculous. (laughs) Like, it's, (laughs) it's just crazy that that even that kind of community still, I mean, things have changed in social media, but like, I still feel so connected to so many teachers and I still feel invigorated when I scroll and like, when my scroll is on point, like I feel very (laughs) inspired with new ideas still. And then you think like, Oh, how many more new ideas can there be? Well, if you're not on teacher Instagram, you don't, (laughs) you don't know. Yeah. It's such a nice like pocket of people. I really liked the beginning of the school year when everyone was so excited to start, like everybody was posting, here's my classroom and I'm like getting class lists and everything. It was like, I just felt, you know, so in community with folks. It was really, really fun. It's energizing. And so, okay. Yeah, so we sure. found each other on Instagram. We chatted about a lot of things. We, of course, we talked about fourth wing and iron flame, right? Like totally, of course, like we need to have that chat. Uh, but then Danielle sent me this, Right. Oh my God. All about the dragons. Like <laughs> Marie and I, every time we talk about it, she just, she just sits there smugly and just says, I told you so. <laughs> and it's really rude. Um, so Marie can't defend herself right now, but she knows. Um, so we, we then like you sent me this blog post about, you know, creativity and these kind of really cool whole class engagement projects. And I would love to spend a good section, like we can chat about all kinds of things, as you know, Um, but I'd really love this, this blog post, we're also going to link for you guys in the show notes. This is not a blog post, Danielle. This is like, this is a dissertation. (laughs) And it is so thorough and thought out. And I would love to walk people through this idea, like where this idea came from. And like, you know, how you set it up and how it's looked in process. Um, And then of course, like the results, like what you found to be really successful about it. Could you start from the beginning with your whole class engagement projects? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go back a little bit actually, because perfect. I think a little bit of what led me to the whole class assignments was my experience before I was a teacher. Mm. Um, Because I worked at a pretty small nonprofit And my mentor at the nonprofit was really into organizational development. So she taught me a lot about leading laterally and facilitating groups. And we had a pretty flat organization. So if we had an idea and we had a plan for implementing it and it aligned with our overall goals, then we had a lot of the opportunity to just go for it and put it together. So that has influenced me as a teacher and wanting for my students to have those kinds of skills to say like, okay, you have an idea, let's figure out how to do it. Let's go for it. And also another thing that has, I realized brought me to this is my father was also an English major, but he worked in technology. And that helped me to think about English as more um, like really practical It's not just about the reading of literature. It's how we research, how we analyze, how we problem solve. 
um, in addition to all the great reading and literature, the writing, um, you know. And then I guess there was one more thing. So when we had the pandemic, I was listening to my husband and he was on his virtual meetings and I saw the way different groups were working together. And I guess all of that came together. And I was saying I had already had these projects before the pandemic where I was like, okay, I want to have this big shebang. Like I want to do this really large project, but it's hard to do that in a classroom because you have, you know, limited, a limited amount of time. So Mm -hmm. having all students do, or like small groups doing this really big project didn't really work. But I said, okay, I could have a really big project if I had the whole class working on it. And I pulled on those like different teams could work on different parts of it. And then I started thinking about how it could be really cool because people could really play to their strengths and we could do all of those things that we've been talking about in education with a differentiation. And that's, that's where I got going. Wow. So you, I, I recently spoke, I guess it's not even recent at this point, but I spoke with the director at Modern Classrooms Project. And this feels like very like personalized. It's, it's group learning, but it's also personalized. It sounds like what you're, what you're really speaking to is, is something that's adaptive to the humans in the room and like making it right. meaningful for those kiddos. Okay. So how did take, take me through the next phase? So like you had this beautiful inspiration and then where did you get started? Okay. So maybe talking about one project in the way that that panned yeah, out. That's a great okay, idea. So, okay. So in like where I live, we have these like boutique movie theaters where it's pretty fancy and they have a regular menu and um, you come in and they have these specialized, um, I don't know, like little vignettes that they show before the movie that are, oh you know, just tailor-made. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, uh, it's really fun. So I thought that it would be cool to have my students do a project like that. So um, where they were, well, a project like that. So that they were kind of working for this movie theater and they had to put together all of those pieces, like a movie theater, like the menu, the little vignettes. And one that I did specifically is Marvel. <laughs> I'm like a big, like yes. uh, comic book person. So Marvel and Black Panther. So they had all this huge success and I was really interested in this idea, like, okay, Black Panther and Marvel like really took off, but DC comics, not so much. And DC Comics has this character icon. It's actually really cool. He has, <laughs> this is really nerdy, but he has the, um, he has the same like superhero abilities, really like Superman. He's basically invincible. Um, so he lives a really long time and this is a real character icon. So he crash lands and he has a kind of story like Superman too. It's like around, like right before the Civil War. So he's his, uh, the family that takes him in as a slave and then goes through sharecropping. Anyway, goes through the Harlem Renaissance. Okay. So I did this project with the Harlem Renaissance. So the students had to research the Harlem Renaissance and then make up a storyline for Icon. That would make sense. And then make like the food for this film that they came up with. And then made like the little vignettes about the history of icon itself and the Harlem Renaissance and how that fits in. So what I did was I first gave them like, this is the idea. This is your job. This is, these are the deliverables that I want at the end. 
And then I kind of helped them to get started. So I said, okay, the way that this has worked well in the past is to have an overall like CEO, a little like a project manager, and then to have Mm -hmm. different groups working on different pieces. So they kind of decide like, okay, we'd like to put this person in charge. Generally, I have them do that, but sometimes we'll nominate. And then get them into their little projects and then have a person from each of the projects, like a project, uh, like a group manager. And then at the beginning of the class, we have little like group meetings with all the leadership groups to just check in. Actually, before we get started too, what I like to do is to really show them that this is something that they're putting together and I'm supporting. We put together a rubric together. So I'll say, these are the things to me. Yeah. These are the things that are important to me. And then um, let's talk about how the assignment's going to go. And we kind of put in, you know, just make to make the group. And um, one of the things that I always say is everyone has to participate. So that's going to be part of the grade. And mm-hmm. it actually helps the students to keep each other on task because oh. they know that it's going to be part of their grade. Yeah. So that's really the way that it, it kind of functions. Like I am there to like each day, like, okay, how's it going? Or at, and at the end, I'll check on, check in with the group too. Like what, what happened? What do you need help with? So that we can start with, okay, this group is really not making any progress. They're stuck on X, Y, or Z. And then we just kind of like go through that each day until we get to the end. Okay. So I have a lot of thoughts. I have like, I, in the middle of you talking, I was like, oh my gosh, where is my pen? And I, I am now, okay. My notes are my notes are full. So, okay. My first, a couple of things, like I, I am thinking about, so like Marie and I, a lot of times are doing like this thing with like zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out of like our English teacher life. Right. Like, so like zoom into your classroom is like where we are, like zoom out. What I'm thinking about is the mindset that you bring to the classroom as someone who didn't start in education and has experience outside of teaching English because I can feel like my heart is racing a little bit and I'm telling it to be quiet because I've been doing this a long time. But like the thought of a project like this means that we are abandoning for a certain amount of time, a traditional, right? Teach a book, teach an essay unit model. And I think Mm -hmm. for some people, I don't know how many brave new teaching teachers this would be like jarring for, but I think for a lot of teachers that are either traditional in their methods or are, you know, don't really know what else to do. I think we get very comfortable, like driving our curriculum by novels, right? Like we drive Mm -hmm. them by novels, we drive them by novels. And I think hearing you describe this, I can hear people like scraping, like, okay, so when are they reading? You know, like, when are they reading? And like, when, (laughs) yeah. And, but I, and so can you, I think I already have some ideas about this, but like, yeah, where do we come around with the and I don't want to say justification is not the right word, but where do we come with the, this is why units like this need to happen among the other units that are doing the novel work. What and why do you see like this fitting into the year? Why are you so passionate about this being part of the year amongst all those other things? Okay. Yeah. So a couple things. So one, the novels and the reading can actually fit in here. So with this Harlem Renaissance, we can say, okay, part of what we're going to do is we're going to read some Harlem Renaissance poetry, and we want to incorporate that into the project. 
We could also have it be just around instead of having it around icon and, you know, what I put together, we can say, all right, we're reading The Great Gatsby. This is what we're going to put this around. So we're going to incorporate some of those really intricate, like nuanced details of The Great Gatsby. And that's what we're going to put in the beginning. So what's cool about this, this theater, and this is just one example, but what's cool about this theater is that it really plays to people that are fanatics. So if you are Mm. really, really interested in what they're showing, it's still going to give you some information that's going to be new to you, or you're going to be like, oh, I love how they had that deep cut. So that's something that the students can do as well. Like you can give them that setup and say, part of your audience are those people that already know the plot. They really want some interesting details. So by giving them that real audience, you can kind of tweak what kind of outputs you get. So that's one thing. And then even if we didn't have it tied to a novel in that way, we could have it very much being building background. And you know that the better that students understand the context, that they're going to read better. So it could be something that they're doing as a setup to a a novel study. I'm freaking out about this because this is, so you said a lot of the things that I was definitely anticipating. And I think, you know, one one of the things that we, we lose sight of sometimes, and especially when we're in the middle of the year, I feel like summer teacher brain is different than like being in it. Um, And what you're describing to me is just a, is a reminder that like, sometimes we get very ultra concentrated on the same skills. Like we're, we're, we're in a crisis right now, right? Like our, our kids are not reading at grade level on the whole, right? right? Most, yeah. most of our kids are not reading at grade level. So we kind of start to react in one way. And like, we keep reacting. We, we keep doing this novel thing. And like what I hear you describing, and I'm imagining this with my own students, I'm thinking about like when we take an entire book out of the equation, how much space and time we have to address so many of those other smaller, but also important skills. Like even if we do icon, like forget, forget Gatsby, but like looking at the structure of a superhero film. And like you said, looking at deep cuts, looking at world building, looking at structure. I mean, when we're doing a novel, it's really hard to also be looking at structure because you're in it. Like you're, you're in the middle of it. You can really only look at structural things if you're looking at an outline or you're looking back on something that you've already done. So I think film is a great way. Poetry is a great way to do those kinds of things that you're describing. Like so many of these skills we miss because we're spending so much time reading. Reading takes up a lot of real estate. So I love this idea yeah. and all of, just all of the teamwork you've got built in here, the, uh, the authentic audience you know, every time we shove an essay at kids, like authentic audience is almost always the thing that's missing. And, and, you know, sometimes like that's fine, but having an opportunity to really experience that is so powerful. How do your kids respond to these types of projects? Oh my gosh. These are like my favorite parts of the year because I see students really getting into it, like how they support one another in their groups and how they, I found so many students just like step up in leadership that I wasn't expecting. And that's just so fun to see. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's like, it makes your, it makes my teacher heart happy. You know, it's, it's just like you see them doing kind of engaging and, and really, I mean, 
you can structure this in any way that you want to get those skills. So if you want to have them do some analytical writing around it, there's opportunities for that. There's like lots of opportunities for persuasive writing, you know, reflection and to have something that's a little bit more accessible for them really helps them take risks in their writing and also mm-hmm. to just like, you know, that they understand the content. So you get that out of the way, you know, so you're really able to look at the skills more, but the yeah. collaboration and the group work, like it's, that's amazing. And it's not, you can't, you can't, it's not, you can't, I shouldn't say you can't, but it's a totally different way for students to relate to each other from what we typically do in a novel unit. Like it's just, they're just totally, you know, novel units are great. And like we do a small group work and things like that, but the collective experience and like the collective relying on each other is not the same, Mm -hmm. I think is what you're describing. And I love this opportunity. So there's been a lot of talk recently about UDL, the universal design for learning. I'm curious how you see this type of exercise fitting into that UDL model. Uh, are you familiar with that? And like, do you see the, do you see some overlaps in that, in that regard? Oh yeah, for sure. So I think as far as, well, one is the teacher's ability to, because they're not like Sage on the stage all the time, they are able to really go in and support their students as they need in ways that, I don't know, sometimes when I am differentiating, I feel so awkward about it because I don't want to call them out, but I want to support them. And, you know, when you're, especially when you're like working in groups, like you see students, like they're like, okay, like why do they have something different than I have? And, you know, I don't want to give everybody the the scaffolding if they don't need it, you know, like being able to push students in ways that are, you know, good for them. So in this way, it's really working with students individually, like, okay, you have a problem. Let's problem solve. Let's work together. Like, okay, let's find a resource. And like in your teacher head, you'd be like, okay, I know that they need something that's going to be at a different reading level than everyone else. So where can I get that? And kind of point them to that kind of resource where, you know, so you're doing differentiation really naturally because you're working more like one-on-one or maybe you could even set up groups or like encourage groups in a way that it's, you know, homogenous or heterogeneous or like whatever you want to do so that maybe there's a group that's going to need more support. So that's where you're going to spend more time, you know. So as far as that piece of the UDL goes, there's so much opportunity. And then the students are more goal-directed and resilient because they they are more bought in to yeah what it is that they're doing. Yeah. And the engagement is really like off the charts, they have like something that's novel. Um, they're like working on the team. So it has like all of those, it hits all of those different pieces of UDL. That's amazing. And so if I'm listening to this episode and totally riled up, ready to go, like ready to tackle it, what do you recommend teachers do to get started? I mean, we talked about this movie theater example, you know, if teachers go to your blog post, is that the place that you want them to start? Do you have something more specific? Where, where do you want them to go get started with this process? Yeah, so the blog place is or the blog post is a great place to go. But I also made a page especially for brave new teaching listeners. So if they go oh, to yeah. English Classroom Architect, yeah, English Classroom Architect.com slash BNT, that's where they can find a whole bunch of resources to get them started. 
and um, I'll point them in good directions with lots of different projects and some freebies. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting because I know that this is when this comes out, this is a time of year when teachers are like trying to like rethink things that they've done, plan things for what's next. So this is going to be just perfect. Daniel, where other other than EnglishArchitect.com slash BNT, where can our listeners find you and learn more from you on the internet? Well, I actually have a podcast myself. So they can come listen over. (laughs) It's called Anti-Burnout for English Teachers. And we talk about ways that we can have like systems that are sustainable and bring like some exciting creative ideas to our teaching. And I would love to keep chatting with people over there. That's awesome. And then of course, we have her linked on Instagram as well. Does your show have its own Instagram or are you running everything from English Architect? Everything's from English Architect, yeah. Atta girl, yeah. We started that way too, and then we. It's hard to <laughs> to maintain all of the Instagrams, but people search Brave New Teaching on Instagram, and they are trying to find us, and we're like, oh, okay, well, oh okay, yeah, we'll, we'll be there, and then we'll we'll send them back over. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for being here with us today. This was a wonderful half hour, just chatting all the things and we hope to have you back soon. Will you come back and talk to us again? I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. Uh, It was, it was our pleasure. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school.